us to have the final message today by Mr. Andrews entitled, It Is Better. Well, greetings to all. Day 49. Oh, I think everybody knew that one. <laughs> it was interesting, though, the seven sevens. Uh, that's the reason why it's also called the Feast of Weeks. We've counted seven weeks, and one more day, 50th, will be tomorrow, will be Pentecost. And what a wonderful thing it is to be able to observe God's holy days, the Sabbaths, as he has laid out before us. You know, as I was thinking about this, it is better. In a world that we live in, which is uh, very traumatic, very difficult to live in sometimes, it is better to follow the voice of God. We heard Ken's message. It is better that what we do in life honors and sustains our direction towards God's truth and his kingdom because we definitely live in a society that is not at all attuned to the things that we um, understand. I've, I've done two funerals now and very interesting uh, both of them, and uh, I, I try to bring a, a good gospel message to those funerals and those that were here there. Uh, they heard it and we talked about the resurrection and all of that. And I'm very thankful that uh, Terrain and Anita have, have started coming. But you know, it was interesting of all those people that were there for that. <laughs> there was only like three or four people that, that really even uh, interacted with me uh, after the service. Uh, so I think that they don't get it. They don't get what God is doing. And it definitely was a little difficult on Wednesday when we had this little premature baby that we were talking about and... and um, asking um, for comfort to, for this couple because they had lost this baby. And the only interest, I didn't really even have a, uh, of course, Charlene, we've been knowing her for a long time, Charlene Barkley, and, and uh, she'd ask uh, uh, for that. And so we, we did that, and, and it was wonderful, it was good, and I was glad to be able to do it. But <laughs> after preaching about the... Um, resurrection and about especially the uh, last great day, the white throne judgment, reading that scripture about every suckling child uh, will, will live and, and that, guess what? <laughs> I had a lady come up and she was convinced that when she died she would be there in heaven with that little preemie baby. I know, that's difficult, so, because the Spirit of God has to dwell in a person to come to the understanding of what God is doing. 
So when I was mulling over, I didn't want to get into Barnabas' message tomorrow. I was just, you know, it's one of those things where you really uh, desire to do that. But no, I want Barnabas' message to be on Pentecost and what it means and all of that and the Spirit. So I turned to my one of my another one of my favorite uh, books, um, Hebrews, and I got to thinking about what God was doing for Israel, how he was leading them, how he was directing them, and then also how he was very displeased with them because they did not hear his voice, especially the older ones that came out of Egypt. They died in the wilderness. All of that group died in the wilderness. They would not obey his voice. They wanted to go back. They wanted to live in that slavery that they were in. They wanted to go back in to that. And, of course, we talk about a lot uh, going back into sin and different things. Uh, we, we've done that quite a bit, and the difference between us. So I wanted to, today what I wanted to do was go through some chapters in Hebrews, and there's 13 better in Hebrews, but I decided I wasn't going to go through all of those. I actually only have one today because my mind was focused on the things that <clears throat> happened to Israel and on Jesus Christ and what he is doing today and what he is planning on doing until he returns. And <laughs> it's interesting the world is going to get to the point where he's going to have to fight with the world, with the, the elites and everyone in the world, and he's also going to have to send an angel around the world to preach the gospel. It is going to be so closed up, and people are going to be so closed-minded. They are not going to hear, and they're not going to understand, and they're not going to come to anything, but God is going to make sure that that last message will be preached, even though we may be not able to do anything and the ministry may be uh, in prison or dead, uh, in a place of safety, and telling what would happen in those last few years before Christ returns. But it will get preached, and it will be powerful. But it's very profoundly interesting what the book of Hebrews has to say about what happened in that wilderness time. And in chapter 3 it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. <laughs> Talking to us. We need to pay attention whenever it says things like this. Whenever the Bible opens up and it says, Holy brethren, heavenly calling, and all of that. And we're talking about our high priest, our high priest in heaven, who was faithful to him and appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch that he who has uh, built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by um, some man, but he has built all things 
and he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony for those things which were to be spoken after him. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are um, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And um, I went. I, I've been using a new international version, and I've got a lot of different Bibles. And I dug out my old King James version, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm in here. All of these things I've got underlined and marked, and you know, <laughs> kind of. And this one is in red. Whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm unto the end. It's difficult for people who don't understand this way for them to comprehend how wonderful and how joyous this way of life is. And understanding the plan of God and what he has. You know, the Sabbath and the holy days outline that plan. And so keeping them year after year after year in your life gives you that confidence that God is going to work out his plan of salvation for all of mankind, not just for you and I. This is, this is a grand plan that he's been working out since the foundation, since the foundation. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, <laughs> this is, this is the this is the important part. To hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So that's a, this is what is, is very important as we, we think about our life in this way. That we do not depart from this, this truth. The world wants us to fail. Well, Satan wants us to fail, that's for sure. But the things of the world, the... The, the glamour, I guess you would say, the uh, technology, all of the things that are in the world are there to pull us out of this way and into the world. He says, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And sin is everywhere out there, no matter, well, it's just blatantly open. And I have the word uh, puffed up because I always use this one sometimes during the uh, days of unleavened bread. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And that's what it's all about. No matter how long your life, as long as you're in this way, you hold fast your confidence in this way. While, as I said, today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. But we can go back and we can learn a lot of lessons about that, what happened and how they 
uh, murmured every time they turned around. They didn't have any water, so they would murmur. They didn't have anything to eat, so they would murmur. God would provide for them time after time. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. God took care of them. God takes care of us. We need to have confidence in what he is doing in our own life. He said, uh, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, and howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore that, he, that they should not enter into his rest, but of them that uh, believed not? And there is a key when you read the book of Hebrews. Believing not. This way of life is a way of faith, of believing what God says. And we're not like the children of Israel. We don't have all these powerful things going on. We live by faith. We believe the word of God. We live by faith alone. Everything that's written in the word is for us. We take it personally. So we, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, verse chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear lest that promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I say that's what we're doing. We, we believe the word. We believe what it says. We're mixing the truth that we hear with faith. We believe. For <clears throat> as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place in the seventh day in this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from all of his works. See how far away, uh, how far back it goes? It goes all the way to the, to the Garden of Eden when God created man and then rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath is a very, very important day. And understanding it and the holy days are important and understanding them. He rested from all his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they whom I, uh, whom it was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in, in David, today, after so long a time, as is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And so that's important for all of us. When we read the word of God, when we study or we hear it read or we, uh, whatever it is that we're doing Bible studies, and we hear the word, let our hearts open up to us so that we can be changed if we need to be or encouraged if we need it or see a truth that we haven't seen before and be converted by it. Whatever it is, hear the voice of God and don't 
harden your hearts to that. For if, in the word in the King James is Jesus, but it's actually Joshua, because Joshua was the one that took them over into the promised land, had given them rest, then should not afterwards have spoken of another day. There, there remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Boy, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about that time in which all of the people of God will be spirit beings in that kingdom. For he that has entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same, the same example of unbelief. Over and over again, they're chided because of their unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the, the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And remember David's psalm where he said, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. God is right there. He's always looking at me. He's always in me. And that's it. When we sin, God already knows. In fact, he's already known the intent of your heart to sin. <laughs> that's the problem. He's very attuned to that because the spirit that dwells within us. Well, I didn't know whether I wanted to go any let's see, let's try to go to Let's uh, pick up a couple more verses. Seeing, seeing then in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is, has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let's go to the chapter 1 in Hebrews and let's find out about this great high priest and what his responsibilities are today. Now I was, as I was thinking about what does, what's going on <laughs> in the heavens, what's happening up there, what is, what's, the overall um, thing that's going on, that, that the God the Father and Jesus Christ and, and their, their work that they're doing, it, they are working. They're working towards a goal. You can be guaranteed that they are not um, slack in what they're trying to, to, to do. God, who at sundry times and in different manners spoke at all, uh, in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by, uh, had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. <laughs> what a position. What a position. What power. 
What power? Being so much better, made, made so much better than the angels. He has an inheritance obtained, more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's a perfect, wonderful relationship. And they both love each other, and they love us. God would have not given his son if he did not love us, if he did not love his creation, if he did not love wanting to have us in that creation and part of his future. That's what we're here for. He wants as many sons and daughters in the kingdom as will accept the calling, will accept the spirit that dwells in them, will overcome this world and live by that. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And he has a very powerful position. Um, <laughs> there are no telling how many angels there are. Millions, billions, trillions. Who knows? All these angels were worshiping Jesus. If the angels worship him, are we not worthy to worship Jesus also? And to trust in him with our very lives? He says, um, and of the angel says, who has made his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated um, iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And you, Lord, in the beginning, have laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the works of your hands. They shall perish, but you remainest, and they shall wax old as does a garment, and as the vesture shall you fold them up, and they shall be changed, but you are the same, and your years shall not fail. That's an interesting statement in the scriptures. You have beings that are eternal who are dealing with finite um, uh, mortal beings, but yet they're still considering the future. They're considering the future for all of us into the future. Okay, we have a future. We're going to be a part of it, but one of these days, because we're going to be eternal, we need to, be, need to do something new, something different. God is already planning on it. Jesus and the Father are already planning on the future beyond. It is so wonderful when you read the scriptures and realize this is dynamic, this is powerful, this is amazing things going on in the heavens through our, you know, through the Father and the Son and what they are planning, what they're putting together. 
He says, <clears throat> And as a vesture shall you fold them up, and they shall be chains. But you are the same, and your ears shall not fail. And then verse 12, verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit you on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? I hope you know that each one of you have a, uh, an angelic being that probably sweats a lot. <laughs> I don't know if angelic beings sweat. I, you know, I mean, anyway, they probably worry a lot about us, um, knowing our weaknesses, knowing who we are. Um, and maybe they pray to the Father, is he really going to change? Is he really going to overcome this? Is he really going to be able to, to do what he needs to be doing? And the Father and the Son said, well, just be patient, just be patient. Wait on them. They're doing good. They're, they're going to make it. They're going to make it in the kingdom because we're going to help them to make it into the kingdom. There is a power in the Spirit in bringing them into the kingdom. I think that is very important. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Whenever you keep the holy days, whenever you keep the Sabbath, whenever you read the scriptures, those are a part of the life of your very spiritual life, your growth your understanding, your development. I mean, we're kind of like babies, really. <clears throat> we're in the embryonic stage. We all think we're, you know, we get old and gray. and um, <laughs> But in reality, when we're talking about a being that's eternal, we're, we're very, very embryonic in their sight. And yet, they know that we have the potential to be great in the kingdom of God, to do the things that need to be done to bring more sons in because we're going to be part of that first resurrection. I want you to understand, everyone that is called in this time and times past and has accepted that call has that potential and is going to be in that first resurrection. And there will be a great job that we will have to do. <clears throat> he says, For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with different miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testifying said, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? And that was a psalm by David. I think that's Psalm 8. 
And it's a beautiful psalm. What is man? What in the world are we? Flesh and blood and mortal, sinful sometimes. But he loves us. He wants us in his kingdom. You made us a little you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that is put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. And now we see not yet all things put under him. <clears throat> but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For become him for whom are all, are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That's Jesus' job. It's not to have a bunch of um, wafting um, premature babies and different things in heaven. The job is to bring many to salvation. And when that resurrection comes, there will be many sons in the kingdom, glorious sons, powerful sons in the kingdom. Because that is what they desire. For both he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, and will, I, and will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I in, uh, and the children which God has given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took on the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Remember now, Jesus has the keys to death, to the, to the grave, and to the resurrection. I look forward to that day. I don't know whether I'll be coming out of the grave or I'll be swapped up and all of a sudden I'm there or I'll be you know, coming up, but I hope all of us will have that experience when, God, when Jesus opens the grave and we become spirit beings to live forever and ever in the kingdom and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Wrong. What a powerful message that we have in the scriptures about Jesus Christ and what he has done and what the Father is doing and what they're doing continually on that basis for you and I, that we might be in the kingdom. 
Ken already went through a little bit of, uh, read, read a couple of verses in um, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I always like to read that same verse that he did, mainly because I want us to understand how important it is to, to, to learn about God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I mean, there's a lot of powerful things we don't see. Electricity is one of them. And God created that for us. The men with a little bit of experimentation and everything come up with this thing called electricity so that we can have lights, we can have a fan blowing, we can have air conditioning. People want to take away our air conditioning. How about that one? <laughs> anyway, there is a power there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In verse 6 again, and I have it marked. I marked it all up. I almost can't read it because I marked it so much. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. If you have not searched the technology that is out there, you're missing out on one of, one of the most wonderful things that there, there is, and especially the intelligent design groups that are out there. They have, there is so much that proves that God exists. Powerful proof that it exists. Powerful things that cannot be denied that God exists. I mean, the fact that we exist is a proof that had to be a higher power to keep us in this kind of a situation in which we were able to live. In an environment that is perfect for us. On a planet that we can view the glory that God has set for us out there in the heavens. All of these things are a part of learning who God is and the power that he has. So, it's impossible to please God if we don't believe that he is. The only way to, to really understand that is to, to search it out, to look it up, and to believe him. And the second part of this is so wonderful. To understand, the second part is, is he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I mean, yeah, sometimes we go through a lot of trials and tribulations in this life. But just think of the rewards that we're going to have in the kingdom. <laughs> no, more, you know, no more death. Uh, no more asthmatic problems, <laughs> uh, no more having a hard time getting out of bed, all of the different things that are going to be wonderful in the kingdom because we're going to have a spiritual body that is going to be glorious, wonderful. We are going to pray, sing. We're going to be in the, in the throne. Uh, you know, God has a portable throne. That's that uh, sea of glass. We're going to stand on that. We're going to be there. We're going to praise God. We're going to give him the glory. We're going to praise Jesus Christ. We're going to bow down before them. And we're going to praise them. And our songs will praise them. We 
will be there. In verse 32, I'm going to skip some, some here. Let's go to verse 32. All these in, in chapter 11 are those that live by faith. Some of them, you know, we, we know the stories of the different ones. And yet, in them is faith, belief, believe in God, believing what God said. But there were some times in, in these lives in which they had to go through tremendous trials. Others had great things happen in their life. See, I wanted to start in verse 32. What shall I say for the time? And then we went through Moses and all of the different ones. Uh, what shall I say for the time? Would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. If you go through and look at all the betters in there, um, this word is a very interesting word. It means can mean several different things, but one of the ones that I, I really like is a more excellent, a more excellent resurrection. That we might obtain a more excellent resurrection. That's what I look forward to. And others had trials of cruel mockings, of scourgings, and yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in the mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report, through faith, receive not the promise. One time yet. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. There is a timeline coming. A resurrection coming. A first resurrection coming. And there is going to be many, many people that are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye that are going to be in that kingdom. We want to be there with them. We want to talk to the various ones <laughs> we've read about. I want to talk to Moses. I want to talk to David. I especially want to talk to David. i got to find out about David. And I'm sure he will be more than happy to talk to us if he has the time. He's going to be very busy himself. It's going to be very, very profoundly interesting to be in the kingdom. All of those people, and we'll instead of having a lack of really good memory, as soon as somebody tells us their name, and maybe even reveals their new name, I don't know, we'll be able to remember it. It'll be a part of us. We won't lose it. Like we 
It's like when we get older, we sometimes lose certain things. So, I'm going to finish up here in, in chapter 12. There's so much in this the book of Hebrews. You really want a wonderful and exhilarating study, um, talking about the covenants and different things. It is a wonderful book. And about Jesus' part and what is going on and what's happening and how he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is that eternal sacrifice, our Passover, our atoning sacrifice. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all of those that have gone past, all of those that have died and gone past, they are our witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so does easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. As it is a race, you know, um, the timeline is set. One of these days we're going to die and that will be it. We will have run our race and finished. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We go through that on Passover, don't we? We talk about his sacrifice. We talk about how he died and how cruel it was and how... How bad it was. And yet, he went through all of that and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Well, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children, my son, despise not the chastening of, the, of your father, the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. He's a loving father. He loves us. But he wants to do things that get us into the kingdom and push us in the right way. So we have trials, we have tribulations, and we come through those because we pray and ask God for help. Let's drop down to verse 12 as I finish up here. Wherefore, lift up the hands um, that hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and, and trouble you, whereby many are defiled. And that has happened many times over the past. Roots of bitterness get into people, and they, uh, they just, you know, they blame, sometimes they even blame God for things that men have done to them. And they get a root of bitterness, and it takes them away from God. God is not there to bring you into that particular situation. Men sometimes will intervene in your life, and you've got to get past that. You cannot let a root of bitterness 
separate you from God. Lest there be any fornicator, profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you do not come <coughs> unto the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, nor unto the blackness and the darkness and the tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, the voice that were heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was <clears throat> commanded. And if so much as a beast touch that mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a, with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And this is so wonderful. These words should be yours when you go in before God to pray, to ask God. You are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, made perfect, and to Jesus. We come to Jesus. When we come before him on our knees, we come to Jesus and we come to the Father and we come before the holy angels and they see us and they know that we are believers and we want to be in his kingdom. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and of the blood of the sprinkling which speaks of better things than Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escape not who refuse him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heavens, and this world, Yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as things that are uh, made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. We are receiving this kingdom that cannot be removed. Let us have grace whereby we may see it serve the God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. 